All right, all right, man. You're gonna, uh, we'll come back to that in just a moment. That's actually a perfect setup for where we are uh, going today, but I wanna welcome everybody here really quick. Um, if, you, if today's your first time, my name's Mark, and I'm the lead pastor. We're excited to have you guys here with us today at Summit. And uh, like Alex said, hey, if you're here for the first time, you're new here, man, fill out that connection card. You take it to the welcome table out there in the lobby. We've got a free gift for everybody that's new and uh, in fact, if I've never met you, if you're new or maybe you've been coming a little bit and I've just never said hi to you, we've never had a chance to meet, I'll be at the welcome table after church for a few minutes and I would love to connect with you. Just shake your hand and uh, just to get to know you, kind of uh, say hi really quick. Only take a minute or two. That's at the welcome table right after church. And I, uh, something else that's happening today, right after church um, in the Summit Kids area is our partnership event. Partnership is what we call membership here. So if you've been coming for a little bit and you're thinking, hey man, how do I officially make this church uh, my church? How do I officially make this church my home? How do I become a member? Well, we call membership partnership. And the reason we call membership partnership is because we don't want to put somebody's name on, on, on a sheet of paper and then, or in a database and that's it. We, we really uh, believe that God wants us to partner together to make a difference in the world and to reach our community for Jesus. And so we call it partnership, where we're all partnering together using the gifts, talents, and treasures that God's given us to make a difference. If you want to take that step today, or if you're interested in taking that step, uh, we have an event, like I said, it's called the Partnership Event. It'll be about 10, 15 minutes after church. Uh, just takes us a little bit to make that transition over, tear down some stuff in Summit Kids, set that up, but it's over in the Summit Kids area. Uh, many of you, uh, some of you signed up. If you did not sign up, stick around anyway. You're totally fine. Lunch is provided for you and your family, so you guys, uh, we've got lunch covered for you, but man, stick around for that. Even if you don't know if you wanna take that step of partnership, you just wanna hear more about Summit, I would love for you to stick around to the partnership um, event. It's no strings attached. We don't try to, try to twist anybody's arm there, uh, but we do just wanna share our vision and where we believe that God is taking our church. Hey, um, I wanna show you some uh, cool things uh, to, uh, this morning. Before we dive in, I wanna pray in just a moment, uh, but I wanna show you some pictures here. So if we could just bring the lights down, let's go ahead and bring the lights completely down if we can, and uh, even the ones that are uh, melting my eyeballs. Um, the, uh, uh, I wanna show you some pictures from the building. So this is, uh, when you first walk into the building, this is our welcome, uh, welcome table. This is our next step area. If you're new here, you're thinking, what's he talking about? We are almost uh, finished with our building. The form is not ours. The city owns this. That of graciousness, they let us rent it every week. Uh, but we are almost done with our permanent building, so our church is about to have a home. It's pretty cool that we can have a place called our own. That's right there in the lobby. That's our next step booth. Look at this next picture. Uh, that's one of the kids' rooms. That's done. Carpet in there. And, man, it looks so cool. And uh, that, so all the kids' rooms have uh, different carpet in it. It looks awesome. Go to the next. Uh, those are 500 chairs stacked on our stage right now. 500 chairs. And uh, so it looks Looks uh, really cool, and uh, but but uh, one of the questions you can bring the lights up um, again, oh, and uh, you can bring all the lights up. There we go, and um, and so uh, but one of the things I, this is the biggest question that I that I get uh, more than any other question is Mark, when are we moving in? Mark, when is the first Sunday that we're going to be in our new building? And I have an answer today. I can tell you the day that we're going to get in our building. Do you want to? Do you want to know it, or you just want to skip over that? Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Because I was going to tell you anyway. It doesn't matter if you want to know. I'm going to tell you. Um, man, this is really exciting. Our first Sunday in our building will be Sunday, March 25th. The last Sunday of March. March 25th 
is the first Sunday in our new building. That is really cool because the very next Sunday after that is April 1st, and April 1st is Easter. And so it's going to be two action-packed weekends. And so here's what you need to know. So that is going to be, so, so we are, so let the countdown begin. I don't know how many more services we have in here, like four after today, three or four or something like that. Sunday, March 25th, we are in our new building. Okay, we're going to talk more about that, uh, but that's going to mean some changes for us. We are about to relocate from here to there. And so these are exciting times. There's some big things coming up uh, that we're going to do in that building before we actually have that opening Sunday. But go ahead and put it on your calendar, and you want to tell everybody that you know Sunday, March the 25th, is the first Sunday in our new building. It is going to be Absolutely awesome, and so you do not want to miss that Sunday, all right? So every single Sunday, uh, we're going to build up to it and, and unpack a few things that you need to know before we make that move, um, uh, and I was talking to a couple people this week. The last Sunday in the forum needs to be an absolute party, and so we're going to party that Sunday. I have no idea what that means yet, but we're, uh, we're going to throw a party that Sunday morning. It's going to be awesome, um, and so, uh, so yeah, so Sunday, March 25th is the first day in our new building. Tell anything with a pulse to be there. All right, so uh, I'm going to pray for it. That was a really big announcement. And then I get to preach one of the hardest verses in the Bible. It's going to be a great day. And so, uh, so I want to pray for us because uh, we're going to need it. Um, and so <laughs> let's pray. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, right now, we just come to you. And God, uh, God, I thank you for what an awesome opportunity we've gotten a couple of weeks, God, as we get into our new building. And, and Father, just the excitement that comes with that, just the anticipation that comes with that, God, we are excited, God. It means a, a, new, a new phase for our church, a new, a new season for our church. And God, we don't want to go unless your spirit goes. What we need more than anything else Right now today, right now today, and what we need more than anything else in that building is your presence, your spirit. That's what we need. And so, and so God, right, right now, right now, right now, that, we don't want to assume that. We don't want to assume, oh, well, everybody knows that's true. God, we don't want to assume it. We want to say it. Father, we, we don't want to do anything unless the spirit of God leads and goes with us and moves, and, 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 and saves, and, and so God, I, I, we just give these weeks, this season, to you. It's always been yours, we just acknowledge that today, right now. And God, I pray that right now you would open up our minds and our hearts. This is a really challenging passage today. It's one of the hardest in the Bible. And so God, I pray that it would speak to us, God, people watching online, people who will listen to the podcast later on. God, that you would just use today to open up our hearts as a moment of examination and that we would be honest with you and ourselves about the reality of our hearts today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Um, I, um, last year, last year, you can go ahead and open up the book of James, by the way. Go ahead and open up. We're in a series through the book of James. So we're going through the whole book. Uh, so we're going to be in two places in James, but you can go ahead and open up to James chapter one. Uh, we'll get there in just a moment. I did something last year I've never done before. Um, I, I got a flu shot last year. And, and, I, and I don't know why I've really, like, never done it. I, I, I'm not, like, anti the flu shot or anything. I, I, I got a flu shot 
last year. And, um, and, and I'm sure that you know this. Uh, you are extremely intelligent people, and so I'm sure you know this. I, 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 um, I was doing some research and just reading uh, on the internet, and everything's true on the internet. And so um, did you know that, the, that inside the flu shot is the flu virus? Did you know that? See, I'm new to the game. And so, um, and so they give you the flu. Not that you won't get, you, you won't get it. I mean, it's dead. You know, it's the dead flu virus. But, uh, but a little bit of flu in the flu shot. And, and the purpose of that, it's to boost up your immune system so that you can fight the actual virus. But, but it's just this idea, I mean, there's other things in there as well, but just this idea that a little bit of it would keep you from the real thing. And see, if you and I are not careful, we live in the Bible Belt. We live in, in a part of North America where, where Christianity, where Jesus, where church, it's just part of the culture. For a lot of us, it's just something we assume. It's just something that we grew up with. Jesus is something that we're real familiar with. We know a lot of things that preachers talk about and Sunday school teachers and all of those things. We, we know a lot of that. It's, it's just part of the culture living in the Bible Belt. And if we're not careful, the biggest danger for you and for me is that we can get just enough Jesus to miss the real thing, right? We can get just enough Jesus to feel like we're safe, that we can get just a little bit of dose of Jesus, and that little bit of Jesus will keep us from the real thing. So, so I hear people say to me things all the time. The people say this to me, Mark, all the time. Oh, Mark, of course I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Oh, Mark, of course, I'm a Christian. Mark, God is there to help me when life is really hard. Well, well, what about when life's not hard? What about when everything is going the way that it should? What about when life's not hard? Well, you know what, Mark, if I'm honest, I just try to navigate those times. I can pretty much pull that off. But I know God is there when I need him. People say, Mark, I know who you, you're the pastor of that church, and, 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 and listen, 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 I, your church is probably a cult, right? Because people shouldn't be that excited about Jesus, People shouldn't be that excited about church, right? I mean, listen, listen, listen. I try to be a good person. I try to keep the Ten Commandments. I feel like me and the big man upstairs feel like we're good. And see, here's the danger. The danger, living in the Bible Belt, living where, where maybe your grandpa was a preacher and your dad is a deacon and your mom is a Sunday school teacher and everybody just assumes that we're saved and assumes that we're all going to heaven and Jesus is just a part of the DNA of our culture. The danger is that we would get just enough of Jesus so that we would think that the main thing is going to heaven when you die and we miss the fact that the main thing is a life-changing relationship with the one true living God of the universe. And you can get just enough of Jesus and miss him. And so today, today, this is one of the hardest passages in the Bible. Not hard to understand. This is easy to figure out. You don't need me to tell you what this means. People say to me all the time, Mark, I don't read the Bible. I don't read the Bible much because I have a hard time understanding it. It's hard to understand. I'll give some slack to you, okay? There's a lot of places in the Bible that are hard to understand. God's given us a lot of tools we can use. God's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can teach us, but I'll give you some slack. There's a lot of places in the Bible hard to understand. Not today. Today is not hard to understand. It's hard because we know exactly what he means. And man, when God opens you up, 
and lays you on the table and your heart is exposed, that's hard. And so God's gonna say some hard things today from one of the hardest passages in the Bible. Again, not hard to understand. It's obvious. It's hard because what God is revealing to us about ourselves. So if you've got uh, a Bible open, we are in James chapter one. And I'll tell you what we're gonna do today. We're in James chapter one and we're gonna be in James chapter two, okay? Because there's two sets of verses in James that basically say the same idea. It's the same idea just went at from different angles. And so we're gonna, uh, we're gonna take both of these together, okay? So James chapter one, and first we're gonna read verses 19 all the way down to verses 27. James 1, 19 through 27. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Watch this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He forgets it, he, he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now turn your page or scroll or whatever you gotta do to James chapter two, verse 14 through 26. James two, 14 through 26. Here's James again. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that, apart from fa that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. My goal today is simply this. I wanna be as clear as possible. So I just want us to see two things, all right? If you are not a note taker, you should take notes. If at this time you always check out and check, check Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that, would you at least give me a little bit of time today because I think this is a message that we need to hear. I want us to see two things today, and here's the first thing that you've got to see. Number one, not all faith is real faith. 
Number one, not all faith is real faith. Imagine it like this. If someone came up to you and, and they talked about how into and they were excited and how devoted they were to, to a healthy lifestyle. I mean, all they did was talk about going to the gym and they talked about eating clean and they talked about meal prep and they talked about all of this stuff, right? I mean, I mean, all they did, all they talked about was how healthy they are and how they're devoted to this kind of lifestyle. Listen, a person who talks like that, what are some things that you would expect them to do? Well, there's a couple things you would expect them to do, right? I mean, you would expect them to go to the gym and take a selfie at the gym because can you go to the gym and not take a picture of yourself? Um, sorry. Um, you would expect them to watch what they eat, right? Maybe, maybe they, go to the, they go to a restaurant and they're really careful about what they, what they eat. Maybe they are really into meal prep and making sure their meals are, are a certain calorie intake, you know, because they're really trying to stick to that diet. And so you would expect them to do certain things. Well, what if it turns out that even though they talked about those things, what if it turns out that person never goes to the gym? And instead of caring about what they eat and caring about meal prep, it turns out they're living off of a steady diet of deep fried Twinkies and milkshakes, right? Could we at least not all agree that what they profess isn't what they have? James says you can do the same thing with God. You can profess to know God. You can say that you have faith, but not all faith is real faith. So he says it in James chapter 2, 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in food, one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled. I'm praying for you, bro. Praying for you. Let me pray. I'm going to call my church to pray. I'm going to tell everybody else to pray. Be warm. Without giving them a jacket. Giving them something to eat. What good, is it to, what good is the faith that you say that you have? Now, let's understand what James is not saying. James is not saying that every time you see anyone with any need at all, you need to make sure that you meet all of their needs. He's not saying that. The reason that we know he's not saying that is because that's not possible. Okay? Let's be real. That's, that's not possible. What he is saying is this. What he is saying is this. And I'm going to come back to it and unpack it. But what he is saying is this. Real faith will lead to a changed life. And you can't dilute that, you can't soften that, you can't work around that. Real faith will lead to a changed life. So when he says that faith apart from works is dead, man, we got to be clear on some stuff because this passage has confused a lot of people. Look at me for just a second. Faith in Jesus alone is what saves Jesus and Jesus alone saves. You can't work your way to God. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't earn God's forgiveness and love. The Bible says that while we were sinners, God loves us and Christ died for us. You can't earn your way to God. The the church fathers, church uh, fathers, big figures in history, Martin Luther and others, said that we are saved by grace alone, by Christ alone, through faith alone. So Jesus and Jesus alone saves. Amen? Amen, amen. But here's what else they would say. The faith that saves, yes, faith in Jesus alone saves. The faith that saves is never alone. Faith in Jesus alone saves, but the faith that saves is never alone. What it means is this. If you make a profession of faith, if you make a decision for Jesus at Summit on a Sunday, and the only thing that ever does in your life is cause you to grab a pen and check a box, James says you need to check and see if your faith is real. Right? 
You need to watch your faith. Now, here's, here's the deal, because there's already tension in the room. James, listen, listen, wor- listen. A changed life, yes, that's true for some people. James, I mean, taking care of people and meeting needs, that's true for some people. But you know what, James? My faith doesn't work like that. James, my faith is so personal, I never tell a soul about it. It's just inside. I don't know where, but dig down deep, and I'm sure it's there. Just in there. So James comes back, and he builds this rhetorical argument. Verse 18, someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Listen, you say that faith leads to a changed life. That's fine, but listen, I made a decision when I was four. I'm 40 now. I'm clinging to that fire insurance, baby. Show me your faith apart from works, and I'll show you my, you, I'll show you my faith by my works. So you're hearing it. So somebody might say, listen, listen, listen. Faith and works, listen, this changed life, that's fine. But listen, I just believe, listen, Jesus, this decision I made at one point, man, it's, it's just words, it's just this idea. I did that when I was four. It doesn't really have to make a difference in my life. I believe in God. Isn't that enough? Listen to the next verse. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even demons believe and shudder. So if we say, oh, well, you know what? Believing in God is enough. Just coming to church is enough. See, James wants us to see that not all faith is real faith. There is such a thing as fake faith. I'll give you some characteristics of fake faith. One characteristic of fake faith is when your faith is all in your head and not in your life. It's just ideas in your head. It's just statements in your head. It's ideas that never lead to a changed life. Man, I remember when I was in Bible college and seminary and then I did some other things after seminary. Man, there were people that that knew the Bible. There were people that I met, they knew the Bible better than I will ever know the Bible. Man, they could preach just amazing sermons. They would win every argument. They knew the Bible back and forth. But bro, they were mean. Right? They're just jerks. I run a lot. I love to run. I had this guy. I had this game that I would play when I would run on my seminary campus. We lived in Louisville at the time. I went to seminary there, and and I would wave at every car that drove by, on campus and off, just to see who would wave at me. Right. So here I am on campus, and I'm running. I don't run like this. I don't run like this. I have a much better form. Just illustration. What this is. And so I'm running. I do this, just like that. Just like that. I make it real pronounced and weird. Right. I'd be off campus running through town, running by bars, people in their car. What's up? What's up, dude? What's up? They're probably drunk or hammered. I don't know. I'm on campus doing the same thing. Here's here's a lot of people on my campus. Training to be pastors. Training to be youth workers. I don't know if they were praying or what, but listen, I just met a lot of people mean ideas in their head. Listen, listen, listen. You're sitting there and people say, well, you know what? Isn't it enough to believe in God? Do you know who else believes in God? Demons believe in God. You know who has better theology than any of us? Demons have better theology than any of us. You know who knows the Bible better than me, better than any of us? Demons know the Bible better than any of us. And demons even go further than a lot of us because a lot of people can talk about God and it doesn't, they don't feel anything. It doesn't impact them at all. Look at what it says about demons. Demons believe that there is a God and they what? Shudder, shudder. They believe that there is a God and it freaks them out. 
listen, man, I'm a preacher. I love the word of God, man. We need to know God. God gave us a book. He revealed himself. Theology is important. But if everything we have about God, it's ideas in our head that don't lead to a changed life, we need to ask ourselves, is our faith real? Another characteristic of fake faith is we hear the word, but we don't do it. We hear the word, but we don't do it. Chapter 1, verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Just talking about us Christians in the West, in North America, in this part of the world, has it ever been easier to hear the word? You can subscribe to any preacher's podcast. You can watch their church online. You can share clips on social media. We've got the Bible in every language for free on our phone, and we can share... We can share those verses and we can post those verses. Has it ever been easier to hear the word? And what happens a lot of times, we hear the word and we're taking in all these sermons and we're, we're reading all of these things and we say this, oh man, that was good. Oh, that really stepped on my toes. Oh, that really challenged me. Oh man, that gave me a lot to think about. Okay, that's great, but are we doing any of it? Hello? Oh, are we doing any of it? I mean, we know what the Bible says about forgiving people. Are we doing it? We know what the Bible says about money and generosity. Are we doing it? We know what the Bible says about what happens to people who step into eternity without Jesus. Are we doing anything about it? We know what the Bible says about sin. Are we doing those things? Is it, is it, is it, is it coming through in the way that I live? Man, now we need to be real careful here because nobody is perfectly obeying the word of God, Right? Nobody. We're going to see it in a couple of weeks. James is going to say we all stumble. Everybody sins. Everybody struggles. No one is perfectly obedient to the word of God. But follow me here. If I'm a follower of Jesus, the longer I follow Jesus, I should be on a journey of deeper obedience to Jesus. Right? That's why, I always, that's why I always encourage people. I always encourage people. I've talked to a bunch of you here at the church about this. I always encourage people to, what I, to do what I call quick obedience. Man, as soon as you know God wants you to do something, just do it. Just do it. If you know that God wants you to be baptized, take the card, check the box, do it right now. Just get baptized. Let's get baptized. Let's plan it. Let's make it happen. Don't, don't pray about something. Don't think about something that Jesus has already said in his word he wants you to do. Be quick, obedient, and do what God says. Because listen, delayed obedience is still disobedience. You know God wants you to use your talents to serve, serve. You know God wants you to give, give. You know God wants you to reconcile a relationship, make the call. On the total opposite end of the spectrum is the person that said, listen, bro, I believe that there is a God, but I don't care what he says, and I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do it anyway. And if that is you, I just want to tell you, you are in a dangerous position today. And you need to ask yourself, is your faith real? See, not all faith is real faith. So how can you know if your faith is real? And James's answer to that question is simply this. That real faith leads to action. Write that down. Real faith leads to action. In fact, let's all say it together. Real faith leads to action. I mean, that's exactly the point there in James chapter 2. He ends that whole section, James chapter 2, verse 26, as the body apart from the spirit is dead. Faith apart from works is what? Dead. When he says faith apart from works is dead, it means it's not real. 
It doesn't say faith is on the disabled list. It doesn't say that faith is taking a break. It's on vacation. Faith without works, if it doesn't lead to a changed life, guys, it's dead. Think about it like this. Every significant relationship in your life and in my life, it's led us to do things that the only, and the only reason we do it is because of that relationship. Are you tracking with me? Every relationship in my life that's significant, I do things because of that relationship, and the only reason I do it is because of that relationship. I'll give you an example. I don't play video games. I don't play video games like at all. Every once in a while, I'll try something, and, and, it, and it lasts five seconds. Uh, I don't play video games at all. My son loves video games. Seth loves video games. In fact, he might be playing the Switch during this sermon. Um, but, but Seth loves video games. He loves video games. He plays video games online, Xbox Live, and all that stuff with your kids. Man, he just loves video games. I don't play video games, but here's what I do. Because Seth loves video games and I love Seth, I read about video games all the time so that he and I can talk about it so that I know what's gonna be released, so that I know when something big's about to drop, so that I know what's going on. Because I love Seth, I read about something that on its own, I'm not really interested in, but my relationship with him motivates me to do something, and the only reason I do it is because of that relationship. Listen to me. How can we say that we have a relationship with the one true living God of the universe if it doesn't cause us to do anything? Hello? It doesn't cause us to do anything. Listen to me, listen to me. Love for Jesus will lead to obedience to Jesus. Love for Jesus will lead to obedience to Jesus. See, see, doing things for Jesus, we're talking about faith that works, faith that leads to a changed life. We're talking about obedience, doing what the word of God says. It's not, it's not a burden. We're not doing this to try to earn God's favor. We're not doing this begrudgingly because God is forcing us to and we're doing it because we hate it. No, listen, if I love Jesus, I will do what Jesus says. I will try to live for Jesus. I will try to follow Jesus. And that is not my opinion. That is exactly what he said in John Chapter 14, verse 15, when he says, if you love me, you will what? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love for Jesus leads to obedience to Jesus. Not to try to buy him off, not to try to earn his grace, but love for Jesus because I love him, because he's changed my life, because of who he is, that he lived for me and he died on the cross and he came back from the dead and he's forgiven me and he's given me mercy. Man, I love him and I want to live for him. He has changed my heart and the only explanation for the difference in my life and the path that I'm on is that Jesus has changed my life. That's what faith does. Seeing Jesus, loving Jesus leads to obedience to Jesus. And this is not legalism. Do you know what legalism is? Legalism is when you try to earn God's favor by obedience. So I better read my Bible today because if I don't, God's going to get ticked off. I better go to church today because if I don't go to church, God's going to get mad. Listen, legalism is not in the Bible. You cannot earn God's favor or God's grace based on what you do. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Legalism is not in the Bible, but legalism has unfortunately made its way into a lot of churches. Right? So you do things, you don't do certain things, you act certain ways, you can't even find verses for these things in the Bible, but real holy people do them, and if you don't do them, then you're not as spiritual as the people who are. Legalism. And that's not what we're talking about. Obedience to Jesus is not legalism, it's obedience that comes from a heart 
that sees him and loves him. It says his commands are not a burden. They are a joy. And so real faith, James gives all kinds of different examples of what real faith will do in our lives. Real faith in James chapter one and and, and chapter two, real faith will cause us to care for the poor, widows, hungry, and the orphans. We're gonna talk about that next week in James chapter one, verse 19 through 20. Real faith will cause me to fight things in my life like anger and bitterness. Won't justify it, won't make an excuse for it, but real faith will cause me to wanna confess sin and get victory over that sin. Sins like anger and bitterness. Uh, In chapter one, verse 21, real faith will cause me to deal with sin. James says, get rid of all the filth that's in our lives. So Jesus, I want my life to look like you. I wanna follow you. There's gonna be some cleansing in my life, 22 through 25 in chapter one. Real faith will cause me to wanna line up my life with what God says. I'm not just gonna be content with hearing the word, I'm gonna do what God says. Chapter one, verse 26, real faith will change the way that I talk. Chapter 127, real faith will change the way that I live in the world. Chapter two, verse 20 through 23, real faith will cause me to make sacrifices and do hard things. And verse 25, real faith will cause me to take risks. That's not all it will do, but make no mistake about it, real faith leads to action. And so we just gotta ask ourselves, I wanna ask you today, is your faith real? And you gotta be real careful with a sermon like this. My prayer all week, and my heart this morning, I was praying this morning, God, don't let me give any genuine child of God doubt that they are your child. Listen, I, I, don't want, I don't want any person in here who's a follower of Jesus, who's saved, you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God. I don't want any follower of Jesus to leave today filled with doubt or you lose your assurance based on this sermon or you walk out convinced, bro, listen, man, I must stink and there's no way that I'm saved. I thought I was, but bro, I heard that sermon. Dude, there's no way it's possible. Listen, the enemy does not want you to have assurance, but God does. The enemy will steal your joy. The enemy will steal your passion. The enemy will throw sin from your past in your face. The enemy will say, a real Christian wouldn't do that. A real Christian would never think that. A real Christian would never go there because the enemy knows that when a child of God is convinced that they are a son or a daughter of the king, they are a formidable weapon in his hand. And they are a threat to his kingdom. And so he's going to do everything he can to steal your assurance because, man, when you know who you are in God's hand, you become a powerful threat against the kingdom of darkness. But God wants you to have assurance. And so if you're here today, and I talk to people several times, you struggle with this issue. And maybe you're here and man, you, you just struggle with it all the time. Am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? I don't know. Can I just be honest with you and tell you today that I have never met a lost person who really struggles with, am I saved? Because more than anything else in my heart of hearts, I want Jesus to be Lord. I've never met a lost person who worries about stuff like that. It's usually a child of God and the enemy is attacking them trying to steal their assurance. 
Can I just tell you, your assurance is not in you or anything that you have ever done in the past. Your assurance is in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus said, it is finished, he said that for you. And he is your rock, and he is your refuge, and he is your anchor. And listen, when you stand in front of God and God says, why should I let you into heaven? You better not say, I went to summit. They gave me a coffee mug. I got it if you want to see it. Wrong answer. Man, when you stand before God and God says, why should I let you into heaven? You better not say, I was a good person. My dad was a preacher. I went to Sunday school. I really liked it. I knew the Bible. When God says, why why should I let you into heaven? The only right answer It's Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that I have. He's my hope. He's my salvation. He's my security. And so maybe just today over these few moments, you're looking at your life. The Spirit of God has been speaking to you, and you're at a place right now where you're saying, you know what? I'm not perfect, but man, Jesus has saved me. I know that I'm his. I know that his spirit lives in me. I know that he's at work in my life. And so God is actually giving you assurance right now. Hey, that's me. Hey, I can see that my life's changed, bro. Listen, I'm not perfect at all, but I am different. And it wasn't some moral improvement program. It's that Jesus Christ stepped into my life, and I can't get over it. Listen, if that is you today, never get over the fact that Jesus saved you. Never get bored with salvation. Never get used to salvation. Never get old. Never get used to the fact that your sins are forgiven. You might even just want to stop listening to me right now and just go to God in prayer and say, God, would you never let me forget that I'm saved? Would you never let me forget that I'm yours? God, would you just keep me, cause me to keep coming to you over and over and over? See, you've got to take moments like this. You've got to take moments like we're in today because 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Take, take a moment to see what God is doing in your life. Take a moment and see whether or not you're in the faith. And so maybe, maybe you're at a place today where, where at one point, so, so maybe, maybe when, let me, let, me, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. If you come to me and you say, Mark, how's your marriage? And I look back at you and I say, my marriage? Yeah, I did that, August 1999. My marriage has some problems because it's not August 1999. It's 2018. Do you see that? Do you see what we just did? A lot of people are talking this way right now. Summer's coming up. People say this. Hey, have you ever been to Florida? Hey, have you ever been to this beach? Have you ever been to this place? And and I hear people talking this way. I, I was talking to some people this morning actually. Just Oh, yeah, I went there one time. Yeah, we did that once. Yeah, I saw that place. And it's all in my past. Can I ask you a question? Is Jesus all in your past or is he a figure in your present that you worship? Is Jesus in your rearview mirror? Because can I tell you that Jesus does not want to be an idea or something in your past. He wants to be a person that you worship and live for today. And so maybe at one time, 
Maybe at one time, God was working in you. So when we say, is your faith real? Maybe at one time, God was really at work in your life, and, and, and your faith was just alive, and you were growing, and then something happened. Something happened, and you maybe don't know what it is, or you know exactly what it was. And you are not where you used to be. And you are not at a, you are at a place now where at one point you said you would never let yourself get to. I want to tell you today, based on the authority of what we've just seen in the word of God, Jesus is calling you back today. Jesus is calling you back to a relationship with him. Jesus is calling you back to a place where your faith is thriving. And today, all you need to do is to simply go to him and say, Jesus, I am coming back. Jesus, I am coming back. Jesus, I confess this to you. And I don't want you to be something in my rearview mirror. I want you to be a reality of my life today. I want you to be a person that I worship today. Jesus, I'm coming back to you. And so maybe today you need to reestablish the faith that's there, but maybe you or maybe the devil or maybe something just came into your life and kind of made shipwreck, kind of delayed the growth a little bit, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and right now he's saying, it's time to come back. It's time to come back to me, or on the other end, maybe you're here and you thought your faith was real and God is telling you today, it's not. It's not. It's not. Mark, I thought I was saved. And Mark, I don't think that I, Mark, the only thing that I have is I made a decision when I was eight and now I'm 70. Mark, the only thing that I have is I went to Christian camp and I remember that it was a really cool experience. I loved it. I think I got baptized at that camp. But Mark, now I'm in my 30s. I will never forget the first church that I ever worked at. I was a youth pastor and I went on to a school campus and there was this sixth grade girl and she had a trapper keeper. Uh, if you don't know what a trapper keeper is, then I can't help you. You're missing out on a lot in life. But the blessed people know what a trapper keeper is. And on the end, the front cover, of her trapper keeper, she had her baptism certificate in it. Carried it around to school every day. I said, why do you have your baptism certificate in your trapper keeper? I know the girl, so I was like, why? She said this, because anytime I ever doubt whether or not I'm saved, I look at that piece of paper and I tell myself I'm okay. And I went on to tell her, you know, you can have something better than that, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is better than a sheet of paper. Thank God for that sheet of paper. But Jesus wants to be a reality in your life today, not a piece of paper that reminds you of an event 20 years ago. Man, if you're here today and you know that you need to be saved, you know you need to have a relationship with God, you know that you need the Spirit of God to come into your life and to save you today, you want God to do that. I want to tell you that it doesn't matter what you've ever done. It doesn't matter where you've been that you are loved by God and his grace can come into your life today and change everything. And that is not my opinion. That's what he says in Romans chapter 10, verses nine through 10, that if anyone confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. You can be saved today. That's good news. I think that's good news. You can be saved today. Man, if you need God, run to God. Man, if you need Jesus, go to him today. Go to him right there where you sit. Go to him right, don't you go home today. If God is speaking to you, telling you that you need him, do not leave today until you go to God and get salvation. Something I'm telling you, Jesus does not want us to borrow somebody else's faith. So maybe you're a student, you're borrowing your parents' faith. Maybe you've been borrowing your grandparents' faith. Maybe you're an adult, you're borrowing the faith of a coworker or a friend or somebody that you see online. Jesus wants you to own it, to have real, genuine faith. Would you pray with me?
Father, I pray right now, I just pray right now that God, just in, just in this moment, just in these moments, that we would just examine our heart to see whether or not we're in the faith. Is there a changed life? Is there, is, there, is there a progression? Is there a direction in my life where I'm going after Jesus? Am I different? I'm not, not, not perfect. But am I different? And the only explanation is that Jesus is doing it. Just take, take a moment to think about that. Take a moment just examine your heart that way. And as you do that and you say, I know that I'm saved. I know God's at work in my life. I'm not perfect, but man, Jesus has changed my life right there where you sit. Would you just praise him for it? Just praise him for it. Praise him for it and ask Jesus to just restore in you and build up in you a fire for the joy of your salvation. Just thank God that he poured mercy and grace out on you. And you are not, you are not finished yet, but you are not where you used to be. God has made a difference. Or you might be at a place saying, Mark, I know my faith is real, but man, something happened. Something happened. And today I am coming back. Mark, I'm coming back today. I'm coming back to God. I want my faith, I don't want Jesus or my faith to be something in the rearview mirror. I want him to be a person that I worship and live for today. I'm coming back. If that's you today, would you just say yes, say Mark, that's me by raising your hand right now. Would you just raise your hand right now? There's a hand right there, there's one. Anyone else? Say, I'm coming back. God, I am coming back today. Restore my faith. Renew my walk with you. I am coming home today. I'm coming back to you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. There's another hand right there. God bless you. Amen. 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 There's another hand right there. I'm coming back today, God. God, I am coming back. Anyone else? You might be here today, and God, because he loves you out of grace, for the first time, it's, it's real. I'm not saved, and I want to be saved today. I need Jesus to save me, to come into my life. I, I believe in God, and, and, and I enjoy this, but but I don't have a relationship with him. And Mark, I want to get saved today. I, I need Jesus in my life. If today you know that you need Jesus to step into your life and to save you today, these are not magic words, but I invite you to pray this prayer with me just to kind of express what God is doing in your heart. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you right now in this moment. Help me to live for you starting today. Jesus, I want to live for you and love you and worship you. Help me to live for you by your spirit beginning today. In Jesus' name, no one is looking around, no eyes are open. But if you just prayed to give your life to Jesus for the first time and said, Mark, today I gave my life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right now? Say, today I'm giving my life to Christ for the first time. Just put your hand high up in the air right now. Amen. Amen, amen. There's a hand, God bless you, amen, amen, amen. Anyone else? Say, today I'm making that decision, I'm making that move. Today I want Jesus in my life. 
Can I say to you today, if you prayed that prayer, it won't stay right here in this seat today. God's going to start something in your life today. Start something in your life, a journey of following Him. You're not going to leave perfect today, but you are leaving changed. Father, I thank you that in Christ we are new creations. God, I thank you for your patience, for your goodness, that God, your spirit's at work in us. And Jesus, I thank you that God, when we meet you, we are never the same. God, I thank you that your word challenges us. So God, as we, as we walk away from this and as the service is about to close, Father, I pray that this message would not leave us. It would not leave us. We would not get over the fact that we are products of the grace of God and that the grace of God is making a difference in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Church, let's praise God for today, man. Seeing people give their life to Jesus, make that decision, man, that's awesome. And and just to see people say, today I'm coming back. I'm coming back to God today. Our ushers are going to come and get in place. We're going to receive our offering. uh, And um, uh, go ahead and grab those connection cards and fill those cards out. Let us know what God did in your life today. I want to I wanna say this really quick. I know that a few of you, uh, I saw some hands just go up to say, Mark, today I'm giving my life to Jesus. Dana, you can come on out here. Do not leave today until you put on your card. Hey, put on your card the decision that you made today, what God did in your life. You got saved, put it down. We baptized, put it down. Want to serve, put it down. Guys, March 25th is the first Sunday in our brand new building. That would not happen without your generosity. Um, what you give, no matter how small, how big, your giving makes a difference. Man, the devil's a liar when, when he tells any of us, well, you know what, what I give doesn't really make a difference. No, it makes a difference. Makes a difference. We just saw people raise their hand to give their life to Jesus, and we couldn't do it without the prayers and the generosity of the people of God, right? And so, man, your generosity is making a difference. So I'm gonna pray, and Dana is gonna lead us. I'd love to meet you really quick at the uh, welcome table if we've never met before. Don't forget, partnership, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Jesus, I pray that, that, God, you would take this offering and you would use it to further your kingdom and you would use it to change lives. Thank you for this season that we are in as a church and what we are walking into. We give you all praise and glory for it. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys give. Dana, go ahead. So another thing that's going to be going on that weekend that we get into our building, that Friday is going to be our, um, our egg hunt. So something that we need for that is pre-filled um, Easter eggs. So you can start bringing those in. A few people actually brought them in this Sunday. But we need a lot of those eggs because it will be that Friday evening on March the, oh my gosh, I just forgot what it is. March the 23rd, somebody say. Okay, there you go, that date. Uh, And it's going to be from 6.30 to 8, and that is going to be at Perry County Park. So we need lots and lots and lots of eggs, so make sure that you bring those in. Um, Stick around for partnership if you can, if you've not taken that step. That's just a way to really show that you belong here. If you leave here and you've never taken that step before, but when you leave here, somebody says, hey, where do you go to church at? And you say, Summit. Then you probably should have stuck around for partnership. Just saying. So uh, I think that's it, you guys. You're dismissed.